Welcome to Music Love Harmony. I'm your host, Olima Maya, and I'm excited to be joined by singer, songwriter, and musician, Megan Graney. Megan, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, Olima. So let's talk about your musical journey. Um, I've read that you have years of experience singing in choirs, and you also have a love for vocal jazz. So tell us how it all began. Sure. Um, I would say since I was little, I had aspirations to be a mermaid and would just sing to myself in like the backyard at like near the pool. I had horrible stage fright and did not want anyone to hear me ever. So choir was pretty much the perfect avenue for me to sing and sing with other people, but not be like focused on totally 100%. Um, and my love for that kind of grew more and more with meeting creative people and meeting other talented vocalists. So that was kind of my journey all throughout elementary school, middle school, and high school. Um, and then I would say maybe when I was like 16, I started getting into more vocal jazz, just listening to, I don't know, I think artists that maybe weren't typical for my for my age at that time, Linda Ronstadt, Ella Fitzgerald, Peggy Lee, Sarah Vaughn, and, and Sade even. Um, and I started connecting a lot with voice types like that. And then I decided to go to Sonoma State to just try and see if I wanted to pursue a music degree seriously. And they had a great jazz program there. So I did about two years there. And then I transferred to Berklee College of Music in Boston and finished out my bachelor's there where I did. Um, I actually veered into music business management and did a business degree there. But while I was studying that, I was doing a lot of vocal jazz and vocal jazz acapella groups. And I loved that and just kind of started performing that way a lot more. Um, and my journey kind of zigzagged when I, by the time I moved to Los Angeles, I um, ended up in the film scoring world and I was assisting film composers. So I kind of, I went into the more management role. So my whole life I grew up singing with people or for people, alongside people and then took a pause from it. Um, and I would say pretty much when we started recording choirs for films, I worked for the composer, Heitor Pereira, who's, he's from Brazil and he's the most famously known for like doing all the music for the Minions franchise and Despicable Me franchise. So we did the music for Despicable Me 3 and I remember sitting in the studio and we recorded this choir at Warner Brothers. And I remember seeing them sing these epically glorious cues. And I was just like, wow, I, I miss doing this. I miss singing. Um, I can totally do this. So I was, I was with him for about a year. He's, he's based on um, Hans Zimmer's campus over in Santa Monica at Remote Control Productions. So I left that job and then took a took another break and then still got connected to the film composer world, but geared my life towards singing and performing again and got back into the swing of it by joining uh, Angel City Chorale and um, 
singing, singing with larger groups, and then started just getting referrals. Uh, it takes so long because when you start from kind of the ground up as like an entrepreneur, freelance vocalist, you're just trying to curate really good relationships with people. And then I, I kind of made my way into songwriting. So it's kind of, it's, it feels like a, a zigzag formation in my mind, but totally full circle once I came to the conclusion that although I love and will always have a love singing with and singing for people, I realized that just my, my own life, I had a lot to say and wanted to put those messages in really heartfelt lyrics and then kind of started pulling things that I had learned in the film scoring world with how they build these incredible scenic, hmm, I don't know, it's, it's marrying music with film is such a special thing because it's a cinematic experience and it kind of takes the listener somewhere else. So I kind of used elements of that with orchestrations and using real instruments with horns and, uh, and strings and using my voice as kind of like dubbing myself as my own choir, so to speak. So kind of blending all of those elements into my own music. And then that started to feel really true and, and resonant with myself. And the more I started doing it, the more I became aligned with kind of my purpose and, and how I wanted to express that to, to the world. And it's, it's music that I really enjoy listening to and hearing. So ultimately I was like, well, if anything, I'm, I'm feeling so fulfilled and, and satisfied from this process. And it was a great way to kind of like reconnect with a bunch of alumni from Berkeley because we're all here. Um, most of my friends had already moved to Los Angeles. I was kind of one of the last ones to get here from Boston. Either you go to New York or LA and if you're in country or also a songwriter, there's, there's a place in Nashville too um, for people, but it was so good to see people I, I literally hadn't seen in years who were playing my, on my music and playing instruments. And that was the other thing I really wanted to use live instrumentation because I think now it's so, it's so easy. Um, especially during quarantine, I feel like everyone was like, let's, let's do this. Let's get a home recording set up. And it's, it's so often you hear um, like synthetic instruments and I really wanted actual people that I had been connected to from school and that had, I had also met just here naturally to be a part of that journey with me. Um, and I'm so proud of, of how everything has been turning out. It's, it feels so rich and full and, and true. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled. I have a, a friend here who I, I write with, uh, his name is Mitchell Hauser and he runs house music productions, um, based out of Sherman Oaks. And I pretty much would write lyrics and go to him with like a melody or a thematic idea that I was trying to express. And 
he's a an extremely talented multi-instrumentalist so Mitchell and I have this great flow of um once he hears it and gets kind of where I want to go with it um he'll start playing me ideas and then we, we kind of gauge like oh I really like that oh no I don't like that so much or I like that shimmeriness that you used on the piano and and then we build songs that way um so he kind of sets the foundation for me and then I can start layering all these other ideas in there. Um, and I think it's so good because I, I don't think it would have necessarily sounded that way if I didn't have another person who is also super tuned in and in receival mode to, to do that with me. So it's, um, it's really good. I'm, I'm so excited for people to hear it. Well, that's wonderful. Um, I also want to talk about your experience working in the film scoring world. That's really yes. cool that you have um, experience working on major films. So is film another passion of yours? It It is on, ac on accident, I would say. I didn't go to, there's a whole film scoring major at Berkeley that I wasn't really a part of, but had a lot of friends involved in it. But I've always loved movies in the sense of symbolism and the layers that can be placed into film that also correspond with music. Um, and once I kind of started learning that language, um, I realized, oh, I can, I can do this with my own music too and, and actually making videos for it and kind of placing little Easter eggs in there for, for people to catch on to. I just think it makes it such a, a more like dive in experience, um, visually, orally, all of the things. So I've, I've had a love for film music for a long time. I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you ever like hear music in a film, I would always like Google the soundtrack on Spotify. And then sometimes if I wanted to work out or if I was really sad or wanted to go for a walk, it was like custom choosing music for like my own movie. You know, it's like you're you're the star of your own movie and then you can walk around to the soundtrack of incredible instrumentation. Um, and I've always I've always liked the way that felt and how that could help me emote certain things privately too. Um and and just landing in that world and and working for Hator and now I work for um Andrew Lockington but he's based out of Canada and he's kind of a unicorn in that world just because he he is very open to working with good people but also having them follow their dreams so when I told him you know I'm really focused on making this happen and and uh, he was like, okay, well, we could just do part-time and we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I've been with him for three years and he's allowed me to work as a freelance artist and perform and sing and gig. And now that I've been writing my own songs, he's been so supportive um, and, and all for it. So it's been about four years of, of my life kind of dedicated partially to that world, always kind of having one foot there and one foot elsewhere. So it's been an interesting dance, but I'm so 
I'm very grateful for it because I've learned so much. Um, it's a never ending portal of learning many avenues of film and how that impacts music and how that impacts a listener. And I think that's really important. Oh, that's wonderful. So mm-hmm. let's talk about uh, your experiences singing in choirs. What was it like singing with um, Angel City Chorale? It was great. It That choir is huge. It I don't know if you've ever seen them. I joined them right after they had their huge debut on um, America's Got Talent. They're, they're just um, kind of a force to be reckoned with. Most of the choirs here are nonprofits, so... People who are there really love to sing. You know, if anything, it's like you're investing into the choir. You're not getting paid necessarily. Um, And being with them, I met all these other super creative people of all ages and all backgrounds. I mean, people from early 20s to in their 70s. Some people had been in that group for maybe 10 plus years, kind of was like a, a, a family for many people who were there for a long time. Um, and they started to get really well recognized. We, we ended up getting an opportunity to, to even sing with Rita Ora. And we were, it was maybe a group of 20 of us women that, did background vocals for her at like VH1's Trailblazer Awards in uh, 2019, I want to say. And that was awesome. It's just very, I'm oh, sorry if you can hear all the Los Angeles sounds in the background. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Constant siren. Um, so I would, I would say that experience was wonderful. I was in alto with them and we did everything under the sun from like, choral arrangements to video game music to um I I remember we had like one one song that was like Icelandic with that language is so hard um but it the diversity that of stuff that we were singing we did musical theater pieces um and and some of which were totally acapella and then some of which would be with an orchestra so the sound was very powerful and I, I actually, I, I'm not in that choir anymore just because I took, I kind of took a break from doing large group work so I could focus my energy on my own stuff. But the people I met through that group have been so valuable in my journey as far as like very close friends of mine here and, and also helping me and giving me other opportunities and gigs. Um, in this world. So I don't know, that was, that was a great springboard when I first joined them and it it just kind of went in a bunch of other directions that I wouldn't expect it to go, but it did. So it was pretty awesome. Recently you made the transition to a solo artist and you have a single coming out on the 23rd of this month called Borrowed Time. So can you tell us this, uh, can you tell us the story behind the single? Sure. Um, Borrowed Time, I kind of wrote it from a place of, you know, we're all here and I, I look at life as like, 
being being in this body, living in this vessel, we don't necessarily know how much time that entails for us. And, you know, we're not meant to know. And I think, too, with everything that's been happening globally on on a level where everyone is experiencing grief and kind of coming face to face with the their mortality and and people around them that are also experiencing this as well and people who have lost loved ones um i i actually lost my dad last year in 2020 and i kind of wrote it from a space of of gratitude where being so close to that and losing a parent um recently changed my life in so many ways that I I was really trying to express we don't know how long we are all here for and to really live in a place of gratitude and borrowed time kind of stemmed from that and just the the split realities that everyone is kind of living in and all these different perspectives that are floating around um and I think I was really trying to convey a message of love and and unity and for people to know that ultimately everything we're learning in our own time is is like all happening in divine order and kind of meant to be with with the timing of that and people's experiences and I value that a lot and and just try and like honor and understand the people that I love and the people that are close in my life too. It's not like we all have the same opinions and beliefs on everything. Um, I think it's really important to surround yourself with different minded people so that your perspective can widen as large as possible and to have that kind of contrast to I think everyone is getting challenged on so many levels right now for growth that borrowed time just felt like a little bow on top of it where we're all going through this together as a collective experience and um, I just felt it on my heart to really convey that message but convey it in in a way that it was uplifting and empowering and positive and and really out of compassion for wherever people are right now in their in their personal life um and to really just make people feel good so that that was kind of my my biggest intention with releasing this song first especially with you know, spring is here and then summer. I just feel like now that we've all passed a year in quarantine, this is um, a good time to make conscious choices every day. And what makes me feel good? What's in my control? What choices can I make today that um, can really benefit myself and my mental health and my, and my, and my physical body to, to keep that harmonious? Well, that's beautiful. I also read that you're an advocate for music therapy. So tell us why this cause is uh, so close to your heart. Yes, I actually, I, 
I went to Berkeley with the hope and intention of becoming a music therapist. And then when I actually saw, I, I kind of shadowed a music therapist teacher from Berkeley for a day. Um, and she was working with children who had severe disabilities. Some were on the autistic spectrum, all, all kinds of um, problems that she was trying to solve with music in their lives. And they were pretty young too. Their brains were developing um, a lot still. And I saw what it was, there was, I do remember there was one child who had a very delayed reaction with, with sensory stuff. So with like audio in particular. So if you, someone sneezed in the room and then 30 seconds later, he said, bless you. So his brain wouldn't really register what was happening in the room until it was like a delayed effect. But then when the kids started playing music together, she would give each each one an instrument. So drums or something super easy to play, like those little egg shakers or tambourines. And he was able to play in time. So it's just a different function of the brain that's allowing allowing rewiring how one is learning and interacting with the world. And that was such a powerful thing to me. But I, when I witnessed that, I got kind of emotional just because these kids were so young and this, I I considered this woman to be a saint because I'm so empathetic. I cannot, I asked her, I was like, how do you not get upset, you know, sad and, um, almost drained from this kind because it's a it's a lot of energetic work that goes into those jobs and um she was like I oh I love it but I I just don't I don't have the capacity to be in a hospital like that day in and day out and 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 really the reason for it I was so used to being in and out of hospitals because my my dad had a long-term illness with his heart And so I think it kind of triggered me like just being in hospitals like that. So music therapy for me, when, when my dad had a stroke when I was like 17 and it completely changed his brain function and made him much more sensitive. He used to be kind of like a very machismo larger, he was just like a big guy and I never saw him cry really my whole life. Um, But the first time he heard me sing by myself when I was about 17 or 18 and I had sung a jazz standard, I had sang someone to watch over me and my mom was sitting next to him and she saw him crying. And I was like, okay, whoa, there's some, there's some really powerful stuff here that the way music is received to people and people's brains, especially when their brains have been altered by either sickness or mental illness or something else that they were born with. And it really does help them. I mean, for me to get confirmation that my dad was emoting some emotions of sadness and like getting moved that way emotionally after he had the stroke, I was like, wow, I would really like to 
just learn more about that. And once I saw how intense it could be, I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do this long term. So in a way, I'm trying to incorporate certain aspects of that, of healing in song that when people hear it, it's more than just, it's more of a, like a holistic experience for for people to get that kind of emotion um, and really resonate with them uh, on a universal level. So I think music therapy and the science that's coming out now with music in the brain and, and even sound baths and certain tones that um, can be very healing for people, even with autoimmune issues or um, any kind of health problems, long-term health issues. And, and the way you can incorporate that with, you know, sound and, um, and lights. Uh, I've, I've just started getting into and I don't know if you know much about this either, but just the the healing qualities of certain lights for emotions and cueing them up with certain tones of music that can be this whole visual ethereal experience for for people um, when they're listening. So it's more than just listening. I think music therapy for me and like incorporating these kind of aspects in songwriting. To me, I was like, okay, if someone is in their house or in their car or going for a walk um, and they have two or three minutes of time to figure out what they want to listen to, I think I take that very seriously. That's like, that's me stepping into someone's space and I'm not there. So I want, I want to be able to provide that, that kind of impact when someone's in their home for three minutes um, because I think there's a lot of music right now and it's, it's not in a disrespectful way. It's just, that's a very heavy privilege for, for artists to share space like that in someone's private life. And to me, it's like, well, well, if, if that's happening and if I'm able to do that, I really want to make sure that, what's coming out of it is important and has a lot of intentions behind it that really do help people. This isn't just like a whole, um, I'm an artist and boost my ego. <laughs> this is, You know, um, I think especially with where people are and how isolated many people are right now to, if I can be, any part of moving the needle to help strengthen connection and to help strengthen um, what people are really experiencing emotionally, that's the most important thing to me because right now this, everything is, is dictated on emotions and how people are reacting to that. And so if I can, if I can be someone with a, with a voice like that, that's, that's the most invaluable thing thing to me it's a it's serving a greater purpose than that much larger than than my own you know yes absolutely one of the beautiful things about music is the therapeutic benefits that it has and more artists should um be advocates for music therapy and using music as a form of healing mhm 
I totally, I totally agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely love listening to certain music that's like not necessarily the most healing, but depending on what kind of mood I'm in, I just think in general, um, that message has been a bit lost just from how commercialized it's been and how trendy it's been. And um, I don't think that's as important these days just because you can really be a successful independent artist and and not worry about the pressure and dictation of getting signed and keeping that creative control within yourself and getting really clear on what kind of audience you you're trying to direct your music towards and and how that message is going to land with people yes it, it's nice to know that you can pursue your passion and help people in, at the same time exactly yeah that's like the that's the win the ultimate win-win for me i i never thought that i didn't think it, it couldn't be possible but now that it's happening um i've just been waking up in the morning feeling excited i mean i'm sure you know once you started your work and with your blog and this podcast that you have like, just like kind of this extra pep in your step. And I've been starting to, to feel that because it, it really does feel like there's a greater momentum behind me. That's not me. If that makes sense. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So um, I want to talk uh, back, um, go back to your music, talk about your music, also your voice type. I I read that you have a unique uh, voice type. It's like a certain form of an alto. I do. Um, the human voice, so from like highest to lowest, you know, it's soprano, alto, tenor, baritone, bass. So I'm an alto. I'm like the lowest form of the female voice, but I'm, a, they technically call it a contralto, where I, I have range of certain uh notes that most men sing <laughs> so that that's my and and that voice type is just rare and unique in general it's a lot more common for um higher set voice types and for me growing up I always had I had classical teachers that would say you know if you commit to this like you you will always get work in in the sense and in the sense that it's more rare to find like the true quality of those tones are more rare to find just like if you hear a true bass like men that can have that true range of a bass um are also rare and um that's i i kind of learned that early on when I started singing to certain women who are also contraltos. Um, Shirley Horn is one. Nina Simone is one. Um, Sarah Vaughn is one. There, There's a few, like Tony Braxton is also one, that kind of really low, rich, those rich tones. Um, and and being able to use that and then learn how to sing harmonies and develop an ear for harmonic tones from being in choir through so long and then learning how to also use that but also my my love for vocal jazz 
with my own sound. Um, Sade was probably one of the biggest influences growing up. I idolized her in totally with just like how her tone was and how vulnerable her music was, is. Um, and, and I used to be kind of ashamed of it when I was younger. I used to get teased about it because I, and I even had teachers that like, who would hear me talk and they wouldn't make fun of me, but they would tease me. And it, it kind of gave me weird imposter syndrome because I didn't like that kind of attention for just being myself and for being naturally different. Um, I did get some flack for it when I was younger um, because my voice did change when I hit puberty. <laughs> like it's, uh, I remember my dad one day said, did your voice kind of drop? And I was like, uh, I don't know, did it? <laughs> so it's, it's been a, it's been something I've been healing over time just to like overcome that. Um, there was a certain level of adversity in just being, different sounding different and because it did sound different it it made me stood like stand out naturally which I hated I didn't want more attention on myself I would turn red and like get like really shy so um that that's been an interesting thing to grapple with into adulthood because now that I'm like you know grown the the response has been the opposite. So when I was a kid, it was, you know, like my peers would kind of um, touch on it. You know, they would, they would call me certain names and make fun of me for how I sounded. So, and, and now that's not the case anymore. So kind of an interesting full circle there with with my voice type. Did I answer, was there a second question in there that I just totally forgot, Alima, or did I answer that all the way? Oh, no, you answered it. <laughs> She's like, you more than answered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Will Borrow Time be a part of an EP? It will be. Um, I'm just finishing a few other songs right now. It might be five or six songs, um, all with different themes that intertwine with self-love, grief, um, the versions of ourself that we present to different people, lots of great kind of universal thematics that everyone at some point in their life will experience, if not have already experienced all the above already. Um, and Borrow Time is out this Friday, April 23rd. Um, I'm so excited. It will be available on all streaming platforms. And um, I thought it was good because it, it's this Friday is the last day I'm 30. So officially on Saturday, I will be 31. So we're bringing in the birthday year with a good bang. <laughs> Happy early birthday. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so um, as we close, please tell people where they can follow you. Uh, they can follow me on Instagram. Um, it's just my name. So Megan, M-E-G-A-N dot Grainy, G-R-A-N-E-Y. Um, Facebook as well. I am creating more content for my YouTube page. And soon I will have a Patreon account just so I can 
connect more personally with followers and start doing um, more individualized giveaways and really, really trying to build a community around this and to really help people and help people feel seen and feel heard um, and and just kind of provide some kind of relief through through the music that's going to be out. So again, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, there will be a website coming soon, all all the things. Um, and I'm I'm so grateful you you had me on today, Alima. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Oh my pleasure. It's so great to talk to you. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you and have a great day. We're all looking forward to the single and I believe this is a single that the world really needs to hear, especially right now. Thank you so much. That means a lot. That means a lot. I'm excited to hear your feedback on it soon. Yes, absolutely. Looking forward to it. And thank you for sharing your voice with the world. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, talk to you later. Have a beautiful day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Music Love Harmony. Please be sure to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Music Love Harmony.